You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, Partigan and Stapes invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears, episode 169. <laughs> I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James. James, what you don't want to you don't want a 169 with me? You are so childish. This is actually our penultimate episode of the year, so it's my second to last chance of 2019 to say happy birthday, Joe. Thank you, James. Uh, coming up on today's show, it is the health and fitness episode. I That's love the right. way we've just shoehorned this in here. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, we're all about the health, obviously, and we are all about the fitness, and so is our guest, fitness model Zach Ainsley, a.k.a. Mr. Biceps. He is a huge poker fan. He played the Moneymaker Tour a few weeks back, and we decided, since he's our guest, that we were going to pretend that this is our health and fitness episode. Awesome. We're just going to theme the show around our guest. Perfect. Correct. Which means we'll have three or four mentions of health or fitness leading up to him <laughs> in various places that I have absolutely crowbarred it in. Uh, the first of which being that I went on the road with Norm this past weekend, and believe it or not, while we, we had like a, a car ride, a long car ride from uh, Phoenix to Tucson, and he wrote me out a health and fitness regimen. He didn't like what he saw, and he sat there in his notebook uh, and wrote me out a bunch of tips for health and fitness, obviously, uh, icon that he is of health and fitness, Norm McDonald. I'm going to share it with you guys. We're going to see what Zach thinks about it later in the show. Uh, this week's super fan quiz revolves around my celebrity hall pass. <laughs> I guess as long as we're talking about mental health, uh, a person I get to bone down with with no repercussions whatsoever from my significant other, Phoebe Waller-Bridge of Fleabag. Oh, man, James. I don't know if my hall passes Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I think it probably is because she's so talented, right? She's yes. just insanely talented and hardworking person. She has to be in order to have written all the shit that she's written over the last couple of years. Well, the thing is, um, it isn't shit. That's the reality. And I'm sorry, really yes, intrigued. I mean, stuff to see what she's done with the script for the new Bond movie when that comes out next year. Yeah, so, uh, but I think Fleabag would also be my hall pass if she were real. She's Fleabag's my dream woman. So broken, so drunk, so free with her body. You know, I actually like the show a whole lot less after that <laughs> hot take from Joe Stapleton. Uh, yo, if you, uh, if you like my hot takes and you want to hear more of them, in the coming months and years, uh, do subscribe, like comment the show. It only takes a couple clicks of a button. Uh, we did get a review, I believe on iTunes that, uh, a super fan Dana, uh, wrote in. Well, maybe we'll read some reviews if you guys want for our season finale. Good point. If you guys fire off some good reviews for us as a Christmas present for me and James, and we will read them off for you on our season finale. Um, starting this week's show proper with one sad piece of news from the poker world. You may have seen me yeah. tweet about this yesterday. There was also a piece written by Poker News and by the PokerStars blog. Uh, John Gale, or Gentleman John Gale, it's a nickname I never knew he had, to be honest, uh, has died at the age of 65. And John is, as I said on social media, one of the first players I ever met on the professional circuit. The first EPT I ever went to was Deauville in 2005, and John had just won the PCA. It was the first time PokerStars had been to the Atlantis Resort, and uh, he'd taken it down for nearly $900,000, and he then almost won an EPT in Copenhagen a few weeks beforehand. He went on that summer to nearly win a World Series bracelet. He then won his first World Series bracelet the following summer in 2006, his second bracelet in 2015, after he recovered from a brain tumor. Uh, and John was a lovely guy, and he had a reputation for hugging everyone, friends, family, people he eliminated from poker games. But one funny John Gale story, and the reason why he was so close to my heart, the first EPT I went to, I was invited to a dinner by PokerStars, by some PokerStars fat cats, and I was sat at dinner next to a guy in a suit, a very professional-looking young man, but he looked younger than me. And I think I was 28, 29 at the time. So you're thinking, well, if he's younger than me, he can't be that important, right? So I didn't really give him the time of day. To my 
direct right was John Gale, who was a poker player who'd had a big win, so and he had an interesting life story. So I spent the entire evening talking to John Gale and the entire evening ignoring the young man to my left, who I later discovered was Mark Scheinberg, who it turns out was quite important at PokerStars. Somehow my career still managed to flourish despite this snub to one of the owners. And James was never hired by poker stars again. <laughs> I, in general, just ignore the people who could potentially be important so I don't fuck up. Like, I just don't, you know, if I knew Mark Scheinberg was there, I would specifically have not spoken to him because no good could possibly cover that. Yeah, John Gale, hell of a guy, real nice. And I, look, I loved a John Gale hug, and I, will, I haven't seen him in many years, but uh, I, I will miss those hugs. I think the last time we saw him actually was in Monte Carlo a couple of years back when we went to dinner and he was having dinner with Andy Black and it was like, my God, we've stepped into a time machine and gone back to the mid-2000s. John Cale and Andy Black on the poker circuit. Uh, <laughs> James, this is where we usually uh, do our, our movie chat. Now, before I go too deep into this movie, did you see First Reformed last year? No. You did not. Okay. So first performed was a Paul Schrader movie. Paul, of course, I think you're a fan of his work, uh, wrote uh, Taxi Driver and also Raging Bull. Uh, yes. And Paul Schrader directed one of my favorite films of all time, Mishima, A Life in Four Chapters, which I probably brought, bought for you on DVD several years ago and is just sitting on your shelf gathering dust. Well, I'll have to watch it because I don't know if you saw the trades, James, but uh, he has written a poker movie. I did. Isn't it called The Card Counter? It's called the card counter, which um, is not which, something that's common in poker. Correct. And I, I, all I'll say is this, is that you remember my friend who's the movie producer. Yes. She is producing this movie. I see. So I am not, not involved in this movie. Um, just, I know of it. I know certain things that are going on. I'm, I've been putting, uh, the, the filmmakers in touch with various poker people because I want to try to, you know, to, to be involved in this movie. And so, um, you know, I, I, I can't say a lot about it right now, but I can say what's been made public, uh, which is that it, it does involve poker. It is called the card counter at, uh, and Oscar Isaac has signed on to play the lead role. So, um, I hope to be able to share more about this in the coming weeks with you guys. Uh, like I was lucky enough to be able to go on a location scout, uh, with my friend, the producer, this week and um i am missing james and i are going to las vegas and uh it happens to be uh the week i had the opportunity if i weren't going to las vegas with james uh to go to mississippi to do a location scout with paul uh but i am missing that unfortunately but i do hope to uh to meet the man soon and hopefully tell you guys what i can about it just um, to be clear just to be clear joe stapleton will prioritize his work wife over paul schrader that is that is correct. Uh, I haven't met the guy yet, but I'm really looking forward to it. And hopefully I, I have a little bit more involvement in the movie. But as for right now, I'm just sort of answering their poker questions. The most important thing, Joe, is not that you fix the poker or stop them from doing, dumb, doing some dumb shit with raw flushes or cheating. The most important thing is you get my Mishima Blu-ray signed. Oh, I could probably do that. Yeah, make sure you bring that to Vegas then with you when you come. Um, yeah, so I'm not really sure what the poker's like in the movie yet. Uh, I'm just sort of, uh, you know, I'm just sort of helping out right now, putting them in touch with the right people. So fingers crossed that I have more stories about this it movie is to tell later. perfect no-win scenario. If the movie is great, we will lord Paul Schrader. If it's terrible, we will blame <laughs> you. Excellent. Look, I'm not even officially involved yet, so you can't blame me. Um, let's see. What else? The Mandalorian. Yeah, Did I can't wait till it? the 31st of March 2020 to watch this. Thanks, Disney. Uh, I, I assume that's not... I assume Disney would want to be there sooner. There's got to be some sort of holdup with licensing I don't or understand or... why they can't launch a streaming service in the UK. But more importantly, and look, I think we need to be realistic here... I don't think European Star Wars fans are going to wait six months to see this legitimately. Um, yes. I don't understand why Disney don't license this show to a broadcaster in the UK. Either do a limited time deal with Amazon like they've done in other markets or have, the, have it on Sky or Channel 4 or any other broadcaster or even just sell the episodes in the UK iTunes store because people are going to get hold of this. They are not going to wait till next spring so no i haven't seen it i'm looking forward to it 
big fan of John Favreau and a big fan of Dave Filoni, who I know directed the first episode, who was the guy behind the Clone Wars and Rebels animated shows. Okay, so I I I didn't really care about Disney Plus. The Mandalorian looked kind of cool. I was debating, do I really want to sign up for Disney? And my brother works for Fox. So he gets Disney Plus for $1.50 a month and added me to his account. So I was like, might as well watch it. And I've been hearing, I heard one really awful thing about it. And then I heard nothing but great things. Uh, I watched it. I watched the first two episodes. And I can say this. I definitively don't know. Okay. No spoilers, by the way. No spoilers. Uh, it, It looks cool. It sounds cool. It's interesting. It's definitely fun. It feels like Star Wars should feel, but it's real slow. Okay. Well, it's. I mean, I think it might be easier if they just drop the entire season, but I think it's coming out, what, one episode per week? Yeah. Which makes um, it tough, because I don't think you'd have an issue with the pace if you could just watch the entire thing, right? Yes, probably not. But also, I, you know... There's this trend now to make TV shows out of things that probably should just be a movie. And you get a little bit like, let's take the, the, the Righteous Gemstones, for example, right? Which is like 10 episodes, 30 minutes each. Probably could have been a really solid two-hour movie. I liked it, uh, but it was a little bit longer than you needed to tell that story. And I think that's what's going to end up happening with The Mandalorian. If you release it all at once, James... People sign up for Disney Plus for one month and they cancel. I see. I don't know. I think, number one, people forget to cancel subscriptions. But number two, there should be enough content on this Disney streaming hub. If you think about all of the movies, from the animated classics to Pixar to the Marvel Cinematic Universe to all of the Star Wars back catalog, I mean, I think it's worth having just so you can hear Greedo say McClunky. <laughs> right. What, what is, what's the deal with that? What's... I have no idea. My understanding from some of the trade press is that this was one of the last changes that George Lucas made before he sold the movies to Disney. And as we know, this is a scene that he has tinkered with so many times. Yeah. This just seems like he's taking the piss at this point. And again, it's another utterly unnecessary change. And in that scene, whether Han shoots first or Greedo shoots first and misses at point-blank range or they fire simultaneously, what you've now done is destroyed the cadence of the scene because it was a great moment. It's, I bet you have, blast. Not, I bet you have, McClunky, blast. Uh, The only thing I can think of is that McClunky is some personal thing for George Lucas, either for a family or some chick he's trying to bang or some bet he lost. Like, can you imagine him losing like a bet to Antonio Esfandiari and he owes, he owes Antonio like 180 grand. He's like, or (laughs) Greedo can can say McClunky. You can put McClunky into Star Wars. So, oh, man. Uh, did you end up getting Jedi Fallen Order? I did, and I've not had much time to play it. There's just so much going on right now, uh, trying to keep up with Watchmen, trying to keep up with the final season of Mr. Robot. I'm doing a Marvelathon. I've reached movie number 22. Um, and I played, I think, I guess the prologue of the game up to where you get rescued the by the ship scene. at the start. Yeah, so I love it. Because I think, again, what you were saying about The Mandalorian, it feels like Star Wars. The graphics are sensational. As you know, I have uh, an Xbox One X with a 4K HDR TV. So it looks stunning. Um, Some of the gameplay early on literally had me throwing up in my mouth. Where like you're walking on a beam at great height or sliding down something at great speed or traveling on a high-speed train. It's very intense, but no, I'm really enjoying it and can't wait to play more. Yeah, I really enjoyed it as well. I did some streaming of it, uh, and I got kind of in a scene where I got stuck getting lost in an area for about an hour. It was a very boring stream, so hopefully I can have a more exciting one. Uh, uh, was yeah, it a bit so the start mentioned- where it's like, find an alternative way up, and you spend 20 minutes trying to jump on boxes and going back the way you came before you realize all I had to do was turn right and slide down? Yeah, exactly. No, that took me about six minutes myself. <laughs> glad, glad we're on the same page. Basically, someone on my stream... Um, Marlo is her name. She was like telling me what to do. And I'm like, have you played this before? And she's like, no, I just know video games. And yeah. like, 
there are little things that like little hints that I'm I haven't played games in so long really that that it was hard for me to the to other catch thing up that's really tilting for me is I think it's powered by uh, Unreal Engine. It's the same uh, back end as the Batman games I've been playing yeah. recently, except all the commands are different. So my natural instinct is to reach you know to hit X to interact and Y to evade, and this is click the right stick to interact, press B to evade. So I'm doing all the wrong things, and you know when you have those kind of like the, the webbing where you're meant to climb up and it's left. Yeah. Yeah. trigger i keep pressing right trigger so i keep falling down chasms so yeah and the other thing is that uh, you know I, I was playing before i got my gaming pc i was playing these first person shooters on console and they were incredibly difficult and so this game comes out and i'm like i'm gonna play it on pc so i can stream oh, it Oh, right and they recommend when you play it that you go get your xbox controller and connect that to the PC because you're not really supposed to use the keyboard. So I'm like this, like <laughs> clunky, like clunky McGee here, McClunky falling McGee. off a ship because I can't, you know, because holding the W key and then control so that I don't fall off the webbing. Uh, I, I fell a lot as well. Um, I guess we're probably running out of time in this segment, but uh, Watchmen uh, was a little slow this week. Haven't seen but, it. Uh, I'm, a, I'm an episode okay. behind. Fine, we'll skip that for now. And uh, did you see the John Oliver musical number? The Broadway number? Yeah. Watched it twice. Oh, my God. Jeez. I thought that would have been the season finale because they really pulled out all the stops, but apparently there was one more episode after there that. There is but... another episode, again, which I haven't had a chance to see yet, but it's sitting on my so, skybox waiting to be viewed. So in an era where you've got the NBA telling players, don't talk about China, uh, you've got uh, Netflix pulling down episodes about Saudi Arabia because they don't want to piss off the Saudi Arabian government. And then you've got HBO that gets the pantsuit off it by this guy, goes to bat for him in court, spends a couple hundred grand, and then lets him do this musical number that he is most certainly going to get sued again. I, I mean, was like, there's bravo. There's doubling down and there's doubling down. Yeah, I mean, that is like the fucking Breakfast Club detention scene. This is doubling, doubling down. down on 17, knowing you're going to hit a four. Yeah, just just incredible. Really good stuff. Uh, so this weekend, I did go do some shows with Norm. Okay. And um, basically, more or less, I look, here's, here's how this came up, this health and fitness thing. We were talking about getting old, and I told him I don't get as many NRBs as I used to. And an NRB stands for no reason boner. Sorry, everyone. I just don't get them as much as I used to. When I was a teenager, every day, four o'clock, clockwork, every single day, boom, no reason boner. Now, doesn't happen anymore. I think this is honestly the most random and arguably unnecessary revelation that we've ever had from you on this podcast. <laughs> Definitely not the most unnecessary, but maybe inappropriate. And so we're sitting in, in this, this uh, town car. On, we have like a two-hour ride between gigs. And he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write something for you that, uh, that's going to help you with this. That's, uh, and he sits there for like a half hour writing in his notebook. And I'm like... I have no idea what to expect from this guy. What is he doing over there? Is this going to be a big joke? Is it? And he turns out he writes me like four pages of health and diet and fitness tips. Uh, the crux of which he ended up taking it back because he wanted to add more to it. So I don't have the paper in front of me, but uh, egg whites only. <laughs> okay. Don't work out every day. Have a rest your day. Body your body needs rest. Yeah. But do work out your abs every day. Okay. Number three kind of contradicts number two. Correct. And also, uh, he says abs specifically. And I was like, oh, I do work out my core every day. It's, you know, it's called core. And he goes, your abs are so that you're not actually working your abs. You're working your back. I was like, yeah, it's called core. He's like, no, sit-ups only. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> just, Just go with it. Yeah, and they uh, get plenty of sleep, which I think is the one thing that I probably am the worst at yes. of the things he's I, listed out. I, I think that's a great, very basic but solid piece of advice, and it's definitely something you don't adhere to. Yes, and then sugar is the devil. And I think everyone would agree with that. Yes, I don't disagree with that. I actually, and sugar is the one vice I don't have. It, luckily, I don't care for, you know, I, I do like soda, 
but you know, I, I really try to limit the soda I have, but I don't do desserts or candy or anything like that. I'm lucky in that respect. Yeah, I mean, I've cut down on desserts to the point where now it's kind of like fruit and a couple of squares of really? dark chocolate every time, every now and then. Well, as you know, we talked last week with Daniel Negreanu about the documentary Game Changers, and we yeah. decided as a family to kind of experiment for a week with cool. observing a plant-based diet. So this is. Day- I also watched it, by the way. I oh, watched yeah? it over the weekend. What did you yeah. think? I think that it was it was tough watching things from you know you're also a filmmaker or a filmmaker at heart and you know studied film and I can see the aspects of it where they sort of some of the experiments uh, you could tell that they knew what results they wanted and knew what they were going to get I don't think that that completely dismantles their argument I think they're very strong arguments for everything they said in there uh, my overall is that. I agree with most of it, and uh, I've been trying to reduce uh, for a while. What I liked most about this movie, actually, was that while I've been trying to reduce my meat and dairy intake for for the last couple of years, I've had it in the back of my head, oh, but like a purely protein diet is still the best way, meat protein diet is still the best way to like quickly lose weight and quickly build muscle. And I do like the fact that they presented an alternate alternative argument to that. Absolutely. And weight loss is definitely a result of this new diet. And I'm not going vegan. In fact, we've got a Christmas lunch coming up in a couple of days' time. Don't ask. I know it's only November. And I will be eating turkey with all the trimmings for that one. But no, just for, for one week, just wanted to experiment and see, you know, what's it like. And I have to say... Um, I'm not missing anything. I'm not missing dairy. I don't drink milk per se. I don't have cereal with milk. Uh, I generally have black tea. I can have hazelnut or coconut milk in coffee because it kind of gives it a slight flavoring, which I quite like as well. And then I don't really miss meat, to be honest. Um, But... The key things I've noticed, and I did speak to my personal trainer at the weekend, and he'd seen the film as well, but he's a a qualified nutritionist, and he'd already been observing a mainly plant-based diet already, and had said that his performance levels have been off the charts since he basically dropped meat and dairy. And I feel good. I feel energetic. But also, and this is the key thing, I'm not snacking during the day anymore at all. Really? No. Once, when you eat a meal, it keeps you going. It powers you. Because you're getting you, genuine nutrition. Can you give me some examples of what your meals have been? Because I guess sure. that's part of what, what some of us struggle with, I think, is that we're like, well, what what do you eat then? And this is the key. You need to plan out the week and you need to do a decent shop and buy all the ingredients. Yeah. So we tried this thing which is called vegan mac and cheese. Now, this does not involve using vegan cheese. If you've smelt or come anywhere near vegan cheese, you know it's disgusting and should be avoided (laughs) like the plague. This effectively involves making a pasta sauce, which is a cheese alternative, but has a similar texture and flavor, which involves carrots, cashews, onion granules, garlic powder, and blending it to create this 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 sauce, which is actually really, really tasty. We yeah, also made a, uh, a vegan bolognese sauce, which involves a multitude of vegetables, again, carrots, mushrooms, aubergine, and this stuff which is like tofu, it's called temper. It's a soy-based product, which has a kind of meaty texture to it. But the weird thing about this is you need like half the portion that you would normally have of a of a, a really? standard bolognese sauce to fill you up. Interesting. Okay, so I mean, I guess the drawback, which isn't really a drawback, uh, is that you know it requires some work. You know, you have to make the stuff. Yeah, but we are a family that genuinely makes food anyway. We don't right. buy ready meals. We're not kind of taking ready-made pasta sauces out of jars. So right. it's just you know. Finding cheese equivalents, finding meat equivalents uh, to make regular recipes. Well, as you know, James, since it's our health and fitness episode, it is incredibly. I always thought thought it was pretty difficult to stay healthy on tour. Oh, that's where it's really, really hard. Yeah, Um, and so I just wanted to share a couple of my uh, a couple of my tips. First of all, there is an exercise you can do anywhere, uh, which is uh, kegels. You know, when you're sitting at the poker table, you can just Flex and release, flex and release. But I thought that, you know, a lot of the hotels we used to stay at had gyms. I'd say like at least half of them. 
I'd uh, say it's closer to 75-80%. Sure. Let's say that I went to half of them. Um, But I just thought I would share my, at the peak of my health and fitness uh, while we were on the road, I had an experience that sort of turned me off to everything, which was the time, I don't remember if I told this story on the show or not, the time that uh, Sandy, uh, the degenerate fuck who was working on the show, um, was also into health and fitness. And we decided we were going to be workout buddies. And he was staying at a different hotel. We were staying at the arts at the time that had a really nice gym. And he asked me if uh, he could come work out with me. So we did our workout. And then I, you know, I had an early call time. I showered up and he was like, look, uh, can I just shower in your room? Because we're working right downstairs. I don't want to go all the way back to my hotel and back. And I was like, yeah, sure. No problem. So I, I shower, go to work. He stays in my room later that night when I get back from, uh, from work. So you basically just left Sandy to his own devices in your room to use the shower and use any other facilities that were available. Correct. Yeah. You know, I, well, I didn't, I mean, I didn't, that shows a lot of trust. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I didn't really know what's the worst that could happen, but I'm pretty sure that close to the worst <laughs> that could happen is what happened. Now, I came back to my room. He somehow had used both dressing gowns. One was on the floor. One was on my bed. Okay. Which uh, implies he was naked on your bed. The, the bed was unmade, but not not like completely unmade, but just like someone had been in one corner of yeah, it. Weird. The remote was in the bed. So I guess he had watched TV in a dressing gown in my bed. I mean... And then... Just weird. But the weirdest part is this, is that I went into the bathroom and all of the bathroom stuff had been used. But also my toothbrush was on the ground and was broken in half. And it, I actually was just telling this story to someone recently. I don't know if you remember, but remember how he and I were kind of both talking to the same girl and he got caught with that girl yep. at one point on that trip. I now think that maybe he had her to my room. <gasps> and that's why both dressing gowns. Oh, my God. So basically, the girl he knew you were interested in, he brought to your hotel room and used your toothbrush on her? <laughs> I didn't put... I'm not... What? You've always contended that he stuck the toothbrush up his ass. Now I don't know where you think he stuck it. I don't know how the toothbrush got broken, but I would imagine that you've got to have one tight fucking asshole <laughs> to break a toothbrush inside it. So I don't know what happened, but that was basically the last time I ever worked out on tour. I think that's that's fair. Well, let's speak to a man who is really going to bring some expertise to our health and fitness episode and knows a lot about working out. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got a treat for you because we've got abs. Although it is an audio show, so you don't really get to appreciate them in all their glory. Please welcome to the Poker in the Ears podcast, Mr. Biceps himself, Zach Ainsley. Hello, Zach. Hey, guys. How are you? Good morning, Zach. Zach, before we get started with getting to know a little bit about you, I did spend the weekend with a, with a fitness icon here in the United States uh, by the name of Norm MacDonald. <laughs> uh, I don't... I don't know if you know him or not, but he, uh, we, we were on a long car ride and he wrote me out an extensive, uh, diet and workout regimen. Oh yeah. Uh, and his biggest, uh, his biggest piece of advice to me was that I spend too much time working on my biceps and that biceps are worthless. <laughs> what do you say to that? Mr. Bicep? I have to agree with him in a way, but at the same time, as you said it there, I'm nicknamed Mr. Biceps. So I feel obliged to disagree at the same time, but he, he does have a point. Uh, if you want to, if you want to get fitter, don't just do one muscle group; do everything. So yeah. Wow, I, I was expecting this to shred Norm Macdonald, but it turns <laughs> out uh, he, he he knows what he's talking about. Uh, Zach, tell us a little bit about yourself, or as I like to say, what's your deal, bro? So, um, yeah, it's I guess. I should begin on how I got on this podcast because um, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a bit strange being like a, a fitness and a bodybuilder to be on a poker podcast. Why am I on here? Um, I guess, yeah, I'm a, I'm a full-time professional athlete, 
but outside of training and competing, I, I play poker pretty much nonstop. And um, I played a few tournaments. I played the uh, Moneymaker Tour in the UK last week. I uh, got to meet Chris himself. And then um, through the PokerStars team, I've wound up here. But uh, yeah, my background was pretty normal. You know, I was a normal kid, went to school. Um, I actually became a DJ when I was younger. And then through DJing and drinking, it kind of drove me to become a healthier version of myself because I was just partying nonstop. Was there and, like a um, rock bottom moment or just? Yeah, absolutely. So um, like I said, I was, I was a DJ and I loved it, but I loved drinking at the same time. And from the age of 15 through to 19, it was almost like five, six nights a week I was out partying. And um, when I was 18 turning 19, uh, I had horrific back, um, back pain. And I went to the doctors about it, and they told me it was actually my liver, not my back. Holy shit. Yeah, it just scared me. It totally scared me. And from that day onwards, I thought, that's it. I'm going to you know, take control of my life, turn it around. And I started going to the gym thinking that's going to be you know, the solution to all this. And within a week, I was pretty much hooked. I was addicted. Um, I love the feeling of training. I love the feeling of, you know, wanting to improve myself and just become a little bit healthier. And from then, one thing led to another. And I'm doing what I'm doing now, which is traveling the world and doing expos all over, competing in different countries. And, um, yeah, it's crazy to think, you know, I've inspired so many people along the way. And um, that's what I do. And that's who I am. Now your liver is just completely ripped. You just have to get jacked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, how I'm long? The only man who's got a six pack uh, on his liver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how long did that journey take from starting at the gym with the intention of just trying to get in shape to realizing, no, I want to go full at it and actually compete? Yeah. Um, well, I actually started almost immediately seeing results when I when I started training at eighteen. And by the time I was 19, I was actually a fitness model. Um, some company picked me up on social media saying, hey, you've got a great look. We'd be interested in shooting you. And at first, I was super skeptical. I was like, you know, guys, um, this seems a bit strange. You know, I don't know you. I don't know anything about this. But I was actually working at a job at the time I hated. And I remember thinking whilst I was at work, I would do anything to get out of this. And that kind of dawned on me as this opportunity arose. What I was thought, the job? I was fitting pipes for um, schools and hospitals. Like my job was literally to stand in one spot for ten hours a day, just putting pipes together. I feel like pipe fitter awesome. is the quintessential <laughs> hate your job job. Like, oh, literally. at least I'm not a pipe fitter. <laughs> Honestly, it was the most depressing thing ever. I would uh, have two ten minute breaks a day, I think, or fifteen minute breaks, and for the remainder nine and a half hours, I was standing there just putting pipes together. It was so depressing. So, yeah, I saw this opportunity. I thought, you know what it is? It is different. I am a bit nervous. I don't know what I'm you know, going into, but I'll never know if I don't try. Um, it turned out that it was one of the best decisions I'd ever made. Um, I was a fitness model for two years, traveling the world, shooting with different companies, different magazines, etc., doing um, appearances for like, movies and adverts, um, different magazines, and then as time went on, more and more people kept saying to me, hey, man, you've got really, you know, really great genetics. Your physique has a lot of potential. You should compete. You should, you know, one day go on stage and compete in bodybuilding or a men's physique show. And as time went on, more and more people kept telling me this. And one day I kind of decided that it was the time to make that jump. And same thing. Once I decided to do that, there was no looking back, no regrets. And I just went full steam ahead and thought, I can actually, you know, make something from this. And um, I just gave it 100% from then, didn't look back. So two things to pick up on there. The first is, you say you saw results really quickly. I mean, how extreme was your workout at the start? What kind of hours were you putting in? What kind of diet were you on? If within a few weeks or a few months, you'd gone from basically, you know, flabby liver on the sofa to suddenly working yeah. as a fitness model. Yeah, well, I think that's why I saw results so quickly because it went from not even eating food, just drinking all the time, to suddenly stopping that, actually eating quite clean. You know, I was eating a lot of chicken and rice, you know, and oats for breakfast, and um, lots of eggs and fish, for example, and actually training, which is something I didn't, you know, do um, prior to that. So I feel like even just doing a little bit, my body's going to respond really well because I wasn't doing any 
you know, in the first place. Um, but honestly, it took me like a week to start seeing results. Nothing crazy, but, you know, just like losing a bit of fat off the belly and slight definition in my arms and things. And, um, you know, my diet wasn't intense. It was just clean. It wasn't like I was weighing every meal. I was just, you know, putting aside all the chocolate and ice yeah. cream and things and um, like cookies and just cleaning it up a little bit and going to the gym for an hour a day. Maximum an hour. See, J- James, I think this is my problem is that I haven't been binge drinking enough for there to be like the <laughs> snapshot effect of when I stop and my body's grateful. So you need to have, Joe, a, a, an epiphany. You need a near-death experience to tip you over the edge to actually <laughs> right, improving like your lifestyle. My drinking is only moderate to heavy instead of yeah. full-time heavy all the time, and I think that's really what I need to work yeah. on more. Uh, okay there's some fundamental (laughs) flaws in that approach but we'll discuss that later Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask Zach is about the world of of the sport that you're a part of and the world of bodybuilding is it as weird on the inside as it looks from someone viewing it from the outside it is both so much worse and absolutely the complete opposite at the same time Um, it's worse in the way that there's so much like drama and there's so much like you know, competitiveness with, between athletes and companies. And it's just a mess on one side of it. But the other side of it is amazing. Um, you know, the general public see bodybuilders as these vain alpha male wannabe guys who think they're better than everybody. And all they do is sleep and eat, breathe bodybuilding. Um, when in reality, they're probably some of the most humble down to earth people you could ever meet who are just hardworking and driven and, um, you know, that's one thing I want to get out there is to show the general public more than anything that, you know, athletes at a high level are just more or less addicted to what they do and they want the best for themselves. And, uh, you know, they're not the stereotypical, I eat beef all the time, I lift heavy weights all the time, you know, <laughs> and I want to get that perception of them away because it's, it's so not true. And in the same sense that when I say to people, hey, I play poker, the majority of the general public, like my family, for example, are usually like, ooh, uh, you shouldn't be doing that. That's gambling, <laughs> gambling's bad. You know, yeah. it's the same thing. So the I feel like the general public have no idea what bodybuilding is or, yeah. you know, you take any elite sport, they have no idea what really goes into it. And at the end of the day, yes, we, we train hard. And yes, the, you know, we really push ourselves in this sport, but it's not everything to us. Like I have a normal life. I have a family. I go out and socialize. Like, you know, I'm a normal person, but I just train hard and, you know, pursue my goals that's it yeah do you think that everyone you know obviously you mentioned genetics you mentioned your work that work ethic it sounds like your work ethic is not quite as insane as other people's are you know that obviously you work hard but it sounds like you can have some sort of balance do you think that everyone is you know basically your workout regimen isn't going to work exactly the same for everyone so do you encourage people to um you know like what sorts of goals should people have do you do you you think people should sort of um change their goals based on what their actual genetics allows for well i wouldn't even say like it's not a genetics i think just set a goal whatever it is you know start off with a small goal and once you've hit it set another one and that's how i started you know when i first went to gym i think i weighed 110 pounds and my, my first goal was to hit 150 in a year. And then I hit that within a few months. And then it was like, okay, I want to get 170. Then I want to do this. And I was just setting goals along the way. And I mean, like I would with anything in life, you know. Um, so same for poker. I wanted to win one competition. Now it's this. And then it's like this amount, then that amount. And then go to the World Series and win the World Series. You know, each goal <laughs> I'm making is, you know, eventually getting bigger and bigger. And it's the same for fitness. Um, I think if you want to start, you know, just getting healthy or, you know, starting training or going to the gym or whatever it is you want to do, just set small goals. And then once you hit them, you'll feel like a sense of accomplishment and pride that you've done it. And then instead of stopping when you've hit that goal, just set another one and aim for that. And that's how you progress, especially in the uh, in the gym, because I know it's for most people, it's not the most enjoyable experience, you know, but you have to make it fun. You have to make it enjoyable. And if you can set like these short term goals, and you hit them and you feel so good for hitting those goals, it'll make the whole experience just so much better, so much more enjoyable because you're setting small targets and you're hitting them. So, yeah, I wouldn't say it's like, I want to be Mr. Olympia when you first go into the gym. You know, be realistic with what your goals are and just yeah. try and aim for them. Yeah. 
Just to touch on the poker goals for a second, mm -hmm. with your routine, I appreciate you got to play the Moneymaker event up in Newcastle recently, which I take it is pretty local to where you are. Um, how much are you actually able, how much time can you give to this game? It's actually amazing with what I do. Um, because when I'm training for a show, for example, like when I'm getting ready for a competition, that's when I'm at my most intense for, uh, for training and dieting. But I'm still only in the gym for a maximum of two hours a day, maybe three. So for the rest of the day, it's more or less just focusing on my diet and putting my feet up, really. Um, but people think that sounds easy, two, three hours in the gym. If I challenge anybody to come in the gym for, with me for two hours and go home and not throw up or <laughs> fall asleep, you know. Um, so, you know, I put everything into, into my workouts when I'm in the Your gym. Your two um, hours at the gym is different than my two hours at the oh, gym, yeah. which is going to include a lot of checking my phone. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Most people do that. You know, I go in the gym, I'm seeing everyone just taking pictures of themselves, chatting to their friends. I'm in there with my headphones on, wanting to just destroy everything I see in sight for an hour or two. Um, but by the time I'm finished, I'm so exhausted. I feel like I'm going to throw up. I feel like I'm going to pass out. You know, I'm just absolutely exhausted. I come home. And instead of watching TV like most people do or, you know, reading or I don't know what people do when they're in the house just to relax. But I sit down on my laptop, go on PokerStars and grind a few tournaments. And that's how I've always enjoyed spending my time. It keeps my mind busy. And it keeps me distracted from wanting to cheat on my diet as well. Because if I go to the movies, for example, the first thing I want to do is just snack on like popcorn or candy or whatever. But if I'm in a tournament, you know, hours fly by. And it's like, oh, I need to eat again, you know. So it's um, it's a perfect distraction from wanting to cheat on my diet when I'm getting ready for a show. Joe, we have found a new way of marketing the game of poker. This is a way to avoid snacking uh, and stay in shape by playing poker. There we go. Yeah. Don't get fast, play poker, and don't <laughs> eat for five hours at a time. <laughs> we have to reference, and we did at the end of last week's show, your billions of Instagram followers. How did you build up? Such a huge fan base. I honestly couldn't tell you. I honestly couldn't tell you. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't an intention. You didn't it. set out to say, right, now I'm going to be a social media influencer. Oh, never. I, never in a million years. I mean, obviously, it's in the back of my mind that I want a high following. But it's in the back of everyone's mind when they get a new job. They want to make as much money as they can. But sometimes it's not the primary you know, goal. Um, but for me, it started growing same thing really quickly when I made it. I think within the first week I had 10,000 followers when it when I made my account five years ago. Um, but I feel like it's just being different to everybody else, you know, actually giving people something to follow and something to show with their friends and, you know, be inspired by or um, just to, I just want to put out content that motivates people to inspire people. And instead of just posting pictures of my cat, you know, or a dog, or here's me and my, uh, cup of tea in the morning you know um, I want to put actual like informational posts out there educational posts inspirational posts um, for my followers to look at and think damn I can do that I want to do that I want to look like this and you know take something away from my post instead of just saying oh that's nice what's next you know um, so I've always had that mindset about it of thinking I have an audience here what can I give to them you know, you're not going to go on stage as a comedian and just say hi to everybody. You want to entertain them. You want to give them something, you know, they're, they're paying tickets to come and see you. And I guess I, I view my social media like that. It's a platform to show the world who I am, what I can bring to the table. And ultimately, what can I give to this audience that view my, my content? So, yeah, it's, it's like I said, I'm not just posting pictures of my food or just generic things most people use Instagram for. Um, I try and give them something they can take away from you know, my platform. So now that you are an influencer and you do have millions of fans, it seems, what is your approach to fan interactions? Do you uh, engage with everyone, just the nice ones? Are there trolls? How, how does that all work? Everybody. Just everybody. I don't care if you're mean if you're nice obviously okay if you're nice if you're nice and you're just saying hi or you follow me i love it you know i always put time and effort into everybody and make sure they have a smile on their face but i've had a fair share of hate you know in person too and i just say oh thanks man hope you have a nice day you know and that <laughs> upsets them more than anything yeah you know, I've, I've had people come up to me like oh there's that douchebag off instagram he takes steroids he's a fake he photoshops his pictures like everything they could possibly think of to upset me 
And I just smile and go, oh, sweet man, thanks. Have a nice day. I'm glad you know me. You know, I get accused of taking steroids all the time. When you have a body like ours, Zach, it's just, you yeah. know, people are just jealous when you look like us. Um, that's right. That's right. I can imagine. Oh, uh, I can imagine now, you get that a lot. One other sort of uh, public interaction I wanted to ask you about if you're into girls or guys or whatever it is. Do you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend? And do you do you accept that sort of attention as well? Um, yeah, I have a girlfriend at the minute and she's amazing. Honestly, she is like an angel and i haven't been with her too long and she is so used to it now but when we first got together i i took her to a fitness expo where she actually got to experience the full-on fan engagement where everybody were coming to see me including many girls and you know many even like gay guys who were trying to you know cuddle me and touch me and things and she was very defensive at first like this is not normal but you know, it, it isn't normal having people kind of throwing themselves at you in public and at expos. But she she's so supportive and she's so understanding that you know people genuinely are fans of what I do, are fans of me and what I do, and they want to take pictures and they want to shake my hand, they want to hug me. And you know, she she's very supportive and you know she bends over backwards for me. And it's it's so great to have that support. But going back to when you said you know if I got girls coming at me or guys coming at me, when I was a fitness model. My gay following was through the roof. It was ridiculous. And um, it was totally fine by me. Because I know, um, especially from this area where I live, it's it's seen a little bit differently. But I'm, I'm just very open, you know. No matter what nationality you are or whether you're gay, straight, high gender, or all, there's 50 different genders now. I don't know. <laughs> you know, no matter what you are, if you come up to me and you're saying, I'm a fan of what you do, you know, can I have a hug? I'll give you a hug. You know, I'm really just nice and just genuinely friendly and just want people to... Um, feel motivated or inspired or just happy they've met me if they ever do in person but i do have a girlfriend i love her to bits and i'm currently teaching her how to play poker so ah. that's another bonus <laughs> well good luck in your endeavors to teach her and also to improve on your was it 25th place finish at the moneymaker tour as you continue yeah, to try and uh, try and make it in uh, in tournaments you clearly are a competitive person zach so the good news mm -hmm. is we have a game for you to play on this podcast which hopefully okay, you'll perfect. be able to crush joe what have you got lined up for mr biceps mr biceps this game is is called mr bi curious this game <laughs> is all about the buys Okay. Uh, every, basically, trivia questions, multiple choice, but they all involve words that start with the sound by. Okay. Bring it on. Question number one. <clears throat> this was a scientific research facility located in Eric Oracle, Arizona, meant to recreate the Earth's atmosphere. Was it the biodome, the biosphere, the bioplanet, or the bio zone. I'm gonna go with biosphere purely because biosphere is correct. Yes. <laughs> wow, you I would have gone for bio dome. So you crushed me at that one. Turns well, out you are very bi curious. Uh, actually, James, bio dome was the Pauly Shore movie. Uh, <laughs> meant to I mean, mock. That was a sheer guess. I didn't know biosphere. that answer. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, they, they aren't all that easy, but this next one is. Okay. If I get this wrong, then I'll, I don't think I can ever return to this podcast. Then. Well, this one, I don't know if it's easier, <laughs> but it is. It depends what era you grew up in. I think you're the okay, right yeah. age for this. Okay. Uh, question number two. Which of the following was a line of Lego toys depicting the exploits of the Toa, heroic mm -hmm. biomechanical beings with innate elemental abilities? Was it the Bionic Commandos? The Biceratops Triceratops, the Terabytes, or Bionicle? Bionicle. Bionicle is correct. You're two for yeah, two. I remember them. I remember them. Damn. You are very bi-curious. Question number three. Okay. The monitoring, recording, and measuring of a living organism's basic physiological functions, such as heart rate, as is known as... Biomechanics, biosynthesis, biotelemetry, bioacoustics. Biomechanics. Biomechanics is incorrect. <gasps> no idea. No We're idea. We're looking for biotelemetry. 
Learn you, something new every day. <laughs> Mr. Bicep needs to get more by curious. Question number four. All right, I'm flexing the biceps now for motivation. Let's go. Come on. I can do this. <laughs> something that is composed of two legislative chambers or branches is known as bipartisan, bifunctional, biodiverse, or bicameral. I'm going to go with the first answer. Bipartisan is incorrect. We are looking for bicameral. That was a very tough one, however. Yeah. Clueless. No excuse for that. Just absolutely clueless. All right. So you're two and two. Question number five. Okay. Seven total questions. The splitting of a light wave into two unequally reflected or transmitted waves by an Jesus. optically an anisotropic medium such as calcite or quartz. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to repeat that question. By refringence, by polarities, by uniqueness, bioenergetic. Energetic for light wave. You need to get more by curious. We're oh looking God. for by refringence. Everyone knows that. I have no <laughs> idea how you could have possibly missed that one. But I guess, you know, you spent a lot of time at the gym. Eventually, you're going to miss out on life. Question that's right, that's right. number six. Paul Higgins and Amy McMahon are authors who have written th books on this topic. Are they books that are biographies? Books on the Bible, books on bison, or books on bile? Biography. Biography is incorrect. They've written books on bile. Bile. That's right. If you want to read a book on bile, look up <laughs> Paul God. Higgins or Amy McMahon. Okay, Jesus. I mean... Question number seven. This is that we're back to the easy stuff here. Question number okay. seven. Which Queen song contains the lyrics, you say black, I say white, you say bark, I say bite? Is it another one bites the dust, bicycle, goodbye, yellow brick road, or bijou? Goodbye, yellow brick road is an Elton John song. <laughs> no hints. You I can help, me, but I, I, I can help. Think I've heard of a Queen song. You can Hector a heart again. You can, you may Hector yeah, a heart again if you like. Can I use a lifeline? You can. You say bark, okay. I say bite. Jaws was never my scene, and I don't like Star Wars. All I want, all I want to do is ride my bicycle. Okay. Bicycle. Yeah. That's your final <laughs> answer. Bicycle. Final answer. Final answer. All right. Zach Ainsley, turns out you are just bi curious enough. You are correct. You did end up with a winning score here on Mr. Bi-Curious. Thank you very much, my friend. Good stuff. Sorry I tortured you with the one about uh, birefringence. That was that was supposed to be a joke. I, I mean, I just can't believe I didn't get that. Should have known <laughs> it. Should have known it, yeah. The point of this game is that no one wins, especially the audience. <laughs> uh, Zach, thank you very much for your time. Great talking to you. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great day. And once again, thanks for the opportunity. Poker in the ears. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stapes. Well, this week on Superfan versus Stapes, we have someone who's not just a superfan, but who definitely qualifies for the status of Stapes Stalker. Please welcome to the show, Sam Pye. Hello, Sam. How are you doing? What's up, Pi? What's up, buddy boy? Uh, James Sam is a guy that I have encountered many times IRL. Uh, Stand-up shows, I believe I played in his uh, pub poker league even one time. Isn't that right? It is, yes. You cocked up a deal and you ended up buying my friend a couple of drinks. I cocked <laughs> up a deal? Oh, right, right, right. That was. I, I think, uh, yes, I mucked someone's hand. Uh, unfortunately, yes. yeah, that that really sucked. I when you said cocked up a deal, I thought maybe there was like a, someone was like trying to have a deal. At the I was going to say like a, like a three way deal. I'm like no deals. And, and Joe comes in with his Excel spreadsheet and is trying to calculate ICM and completely fucked <laughs> it up. But compensated everyone for their loss of equity by buying them a drink. Yeah, no, we're not I mean, at the I, ICM level. To be fair, I think the total prize pool was like eighty pounds. So it's not like I could have really fucked anyone over that much. 
<laughs> uh, just to be clear, Sam, and just to avoid any potential bias to anyone who be, may be related to someone sponsored by PokerStars, you're not related to Mason Pie. I have no idea who that is. Perfect. Perfect. Um, so tell us about yourself then. What's your life all about? Um, funny fact, I grew up in a small town in suburban South London called Carshalton. Ah, oh, just down the road from where I grew up. In fact, I was born in Carshalton. Yeah. See, I looked, I looked this up on Wikipedia just because there was a competition you ran about a year ago where the password was your age for one of the three roles. Oh, yes. I think it was Joe's age, to be fair, which is always 43, if you know the running gag. I, I can't remember that, but uh, yes. <laughs> so, no, it's, it's a coincidence that, uh, yeah, no. So, I grew up down there. Um, Skipping to the end, I now work in, in London, live and work in London, and play poker as and when I can, and relentlessly consume podcasts on my travels. Cool. And you have chosen a super fan subject, which is a TV show that I'm a huge fan of. I think now that he's finished it, maybe Joe is an equal fan of Fleabag. Yeah. I was a bigger yeah. fan of it, I'm not going to lie, after the first season. Um, I, I don't think it was any worse this season, but I preferred it ending where it did. Uh, I, I, fe I felt like this season was kind of unnecessary after finishing it. I was like, yeah, okay, cool. Like I was, I was way more moved uh, by the first season than I was by the second one. I think you may be in a minority there, Joe. I think most people would state a preference for the second series. Yeah, not me. No, I've, I've, it's about even for me, to be fair. Although I have a confession, I mostly nominated it to give myself an excuse to rewatch it, and then failed at rewatching it. So oh. I'm, I'm, I made it a disadvantage. Oh, you may be because Joe, I believe that you blew through season two in the last few days. Uh, no, I, I I blew through the last two episodes of season two yesterday. I right. watched them sort of uh, over the last couple of months, a little bit here and a little bit there. Basically, one of those situations where uh, I started it on my own, then watched a few with my girlfriend, and then thought I was waiting to watch them with my girlfriend. And she's like, no, no, I finished them. Okay. So I was kind of like angrily not watching them for a while. Okay, well, we may see multiple choice options being taken with many of these 10 questions. You know the format, Sam, so please give me a number between 1 and 10. I will traditionally take 7, if I may. Question number 7. Who plays the therapist in the second season? Oh, I... Off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you. I'm, I'm going to need options straight away. Is it Fiona Shaw, Kristen Scott Thomas, Olivia Williams, or Jennifer Saunders? Hey, Fiona Shaw? It is Fiona Shaw for one point, and there is a bonus question attached. Fiona Shaw plays a major character in which other Phoebe Waller-Bridge show? Oh, no, I know exactly what that is, the name is eluding me. Um, no, sorry. Joe, you can steal. Killing Eve. Correct, which means it's one point all. And Joe, it's your first question. Any question other than number seven? I will take as my first question, the first question. What rather blunt question does Fleabag pose to the audience direct to camera at the start of the very first episode? I'll take the choices. The options are, why is my sister so frigid? Should I wash my bits before sex? Do I have a massive asshole? Why do good looking men have such ugly dicks? Uh, do I have a massive asshole? It is for one point. It was the only thing relevant to what was happening at the time. I remember what was happening. I just didn't remember the question. Your second question, Sam. Uh, can I take number two, please? You can take number two. What's the name of the character who won the Woman in Business Award? Uh, I know the actress, but I can't remember the character. Um, can I take the options, please? You can. Is it Belinda Frears? Elizabeth yes. Sork? It is Belinda Frears. Yes, for one point. I knew it was a B. I just couldn't remember. Uh, and what does Belinda say women are born with? That's your bonus question. This is where I'm falling down for not rewatching it. I've got no idea. Joe, you can steal for a point. Shame. Pain. It ah. rhymes, but your version was not correct. Uh, so it is two points all. Joe, it's your question. 
I would like question number nine, please. Question number nine. After being promoted, Claire divides her time between the UK and which country? I'm going to say Sweden. It is not Sweden, which means you can steal, Sam, uh, if you're not too busy ordering a cappuccino or something. Where the hell are you? I'm, I'm in the lobby at the office. Okay. <laughs> so just downstairs in the lobby, people wandering through. Um, it's Finland. It is Finland, and you get ah. two points because you didn't take the options. But, Joe, you get the bonus question. What's the name of Claire's Finnish suitor? Georg. No, you can steal, Sam. It's Claire. It is Claire. That's them's the jokes. Uh, you have a 5-2 advantage going into the next round. I'm starting to wonder if either of you have ever watched this fucking show. 3, 4, <laughs> 5, 6, 8, or 10? Uh, 8. Question number 8. Complete this quotation from Martin. I'm not a bad guy. I have... Uh, rampant alcoholism. Incorrect. And because the options haven't gone, you can steal, Joe. I'll oh, take no. the options. Is it bad judgment, a bad personality, bad luck, a bad beard? Bad personality. Correct for one point. And it is your question. Three, four, five, six, or ten? Question six, please. Question six. According to Claire, where is it inappropriate to jog? I'll take the choices. By the canal, on the A406, in a graveyard, anywhere near the high street. A graveyard. Correct for one point. Uh, so the situation going into the penultimate round is that, Sam, you have a one-point lead. The score's 5-4, and it's your question. 3, 4, 5, or 10? 10, please. Question number 10. Where does Fleabag first meet the priest? Um, is it... Uh, in a restaurant. It is in a restaurant for two points. Joe, your question. Three, four, or five? Let's smash that one. Uh, question four, please. Question number four. What does it say on the sticker that Fleabag has to wear at Godmother's Sexhibition? I think it says something like... Uh, I'll take the choices. Is it happy to help? Here to help? How can I help? I want to help you. Fuck. <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck. Uh, uh, here to help. Correct for one point, and there is a bonus question. What's the relevance of the B-Day at the Sexhibition? At the Sexhibition, relevance of the B-Day. Um, uh, it is the... I don't know. You can steal, Sam, for a point. Um, I have no idea at all. It's where Godmother first climaxed at the age of 11. <laughs> so we go into the final round. You can have question three or you can have question five, Sam. Uh, can I take question five, please? You can. Where did Fleabag do a flash poo? Oh, no. Can I take the options, please? You can. Is it McDonald's, Starbucks, Pret-a-Manger, or Nando's? Um, Pret-a-Manger. Yes, she apologised for being late because she had to do a flash poo at Pret. Uh, so, Joe, there are three points available on question three. And you need all three points to tie the game. Oh, God. Okay. Question number three. What does Fleabag buy Claire for her birthday? What does Fleabag buy Claire for her birthday? I remember the scene. Uh, man, it wouldn't be something this hacky, but I'm going to make it because this, this show is way better written than this, but I have to take this guess. A vibrator. It is for two points, which means you're one point away from tying the game and taking us to the tiebreaker. Who does Fleabag take with her to the sex shop when she buys said item? Um... The priest. 
Wrong season. Uh, you can steal if you want, <laughs> Sam. You don't need the point, but if you know the answer, you can say it. Um, I, I forget what his name is, but it's just the really kind of yeah, 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 kind of gentleman with massive teeth. Yes, his name is the Bus Rodent. Uh, but you didn't need okay. the point because you win by one point. Congratulations, Sam. Despite not watching the show again, you've scraped a victory, which means you are <laughs> going to get the EPT Prague satellite ticket and you are going to get a piece of PokerStars merchandise as well. Congratulations. Thank you very much, guys. No, it's been brilliant. Thanks for coming on the show, Sam. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed the health and fitness episode. Really just an excuse for me to tell a story about a guy sticking his toothbrush, my toothbrush, up his ass. So what are we going to theme our season finale around? I have no idea. So I'm thinking, should we? I don't know him at all. I don't know if he knows who I am or we are, but should we try to get the guy who won the Poker Masters? Yeah, why not? I'll holler at him today, see if he, uh, if he has any interest in doing our show. I like to keep it relevant sometimes and uh you know get the get whoever's winning stuff on so hopefully we can get him uh it's our season finale so i guess don't forget if you write us a review uh we will read it on the air uh so please as our christmas present if you could subscribe like comment that sort of thing uh, i'm doing live at the bike later today when you say you're doing it, live at the bike you're playing i am commentating on live at the bike today and it is their esports day so they're having a bunch of uh esports people Ooh. i don't know if you got know who any of these guys are james read the names uh, probably not but there might be a well, slim chance there's someone i've heard of jay rosencrantz is playing so we've okay. heard of him yes um this guy named steven r hansett who is the ceo co-ceo of team liquid okay i've heard of team uh, liquid nathan klaus from level up recruiting uh christopher hopper head of esports at riot games uh, Daniel Lee, who is a Tetris pro, uh, Dominic Callis, who is head of operations for Gen G, Sean Barkle from Gamely Live, and then Matthew Alento, League of Legends support team for Team Liquid. Okay, so a lot of people work in the industry rather than, yeah. I guess, esports competitors who people might yes. know. My, game, my guess is they're probably pretty good players as yeah. well, at least when it comes to esports. So I'm going to do live at the bike tonight. Hopefully we'll have a couple of anecdotes. Me and Ruthless Adam Levy are doing that. Next week's super fan subject is Poker Stars VR. Yes, and the, uh, the questions have been outsourced to Jeff. So Jeff, hit me up. I need the questions because Joe V. The Growler will be the final super fan contest of 2019. And I think I'm going to get shellacked by the Growler because she is the one who taught me how to play Poker Stars VR. So I think I have no chance of winning that one. But she's worthy of a prize. She's super into it, super into poker, loves the whole scene. Guys, that is about all the time we have got for this week's show. It is all the time we've got for this week's show. For James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. Later.